We are in a series, the book of Revelation and songs of the apocalypse. We've got a very special song today that we're going to, that I'm going to have Pastor Larry introduce our very special song before Landon comes up and, and leads us or entertains us with a song of the apocalypse. A number of years ago, I remember I was driving on Newport Boulevard. I heard this song come on the radio. I'm like, whoa. You know, and the, the, uh, long, it was back, back in 1900, and I don't know. And um, the song comes on, and it's just like, it was mystifying. You know, and, and the lyrics started off with, the, the, you know, the Eastern world is exploding, violence flaring, bullets loading. Like, oh, man. That guy has got a message. Wow. Oh, wow. And so Barry McGuire, who was, um, who was uh, one of the main uh, music infl musical influences in, in my younger area, era, um, sang the lead part of Hair on Broadway, uh, was a part of the New Christie Minstrels, and became, did a lot of single work himself. He, and he, in this song, he recorded this song, and it just made everybody start thinking, wait a minute, we, 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 we really are living in the end times. We're, we're on the edge of something really big and scary here. And, you know, time passed, years, a few years goes by, and, and I was talking with some friends of mine. They were street evangelists, and they told me about this guy, that uh, big long-haired guy, full, full beard, and, and they, it's, they stopped him on the streets, and they said, you know, do you know that Jesus loves you? And this guy just got angry and started screaming at them. What right do you have to tell me that, that, that Jesus loves me? I don't believe in, in, in Jesus. I, I hate everything you stand for. I absolutely hate because you're all a bunch of phonies. So I'm oh, sorry. We just wanted to say that Jesus loves you. And so he turned and stomped off. And then he got a few feet from them. And he turned around and said, okay, tell me what I need to do to get right with Jesus. And so my friends led Barry McGuire to the Lord. Barry, over a period of time, has had a major influence in American Christianity and Christian music. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of times in the past, uh, a number of years ago, we've had Barry come into the church here and sing and, and come with Terry Talbot, if you remember, uh, what was his name? Mason Prophet? Is that the band, Larry? Who else was he, Terry with? Do you remember? Yeah, just some great musicians, great musicians. We had a chance, and one time, uh, for a while, you know, uh, after Barry got saved, he he lived at our house with me and Janice and, and Josh. I was looking, I can't find it. I don't know, I probably threw it away, but I had a picture of Barry holding Josh as a baby. <laughs> and... Um, but I don't know where that where that picture went. I can't. It's probably in there with with all of my other major treasures in life. But um, I remember he was on the. He was, I got this phone call, you know, on and this was back before cell phones, when you had to be tethered to a to a phone with, on a cord. Some of you, some of the young people, they used to have cords on them, and um, <laughs> and uh, get this call and he says, uh, hey, is, "Is McGuire there?" Um, yeah, I need to talk with him. 
and who was who was calling? It was it was Denny Doherty of the Mamas and the Papas, and um, and so Barry started talking with him, and and I could it was Doherty was talking really loudly. I could hear him, and he says, "Well, you were, you know," he says, "Well, you yeah, I know you got religion. I know something happened to you like that, but Barry, you were always that way anyway. You're always that way. See, there's a sensitivity that that people people can have." And I remember after he, he, he got off the phone with Doherty and he hung up the phone and he said, you know, he said, all I can do is sow seeds. All I can do is sow seeds. He says, you know, before I became a Christian, when I was living in the world, he said, I used to go around all the time and I had marijuana seeds in my pocket. And he said, I would go around and I would just push seeds and flower plants wherever I'd go. <laughs> And he said, you know, he says, I know that some of those seeds came up. He says, it's the law of the harvest. If you plant seeds, they're going to come up. Amen. They're going to come up. Uh, his next album that he released for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the name of the album was Seeds. <laughs> so, um, you know, if we could get Barry here today, we would have. But uh, we, got, we got even better than Barry today. It's so, Landon. <laughs> The Eastern World. We'd have to start the song off with uh, the sound system is exploding. Eastern world is exploding, violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, but you tell me. understand what I'm trying to say can't you feel the fears I'm feeling today if the button is pushed there's no running away there'll be no one to save with the world in a grave take a look around you boy it's bound to scare you boy and you tell me over and over over again my friend how you so mad feels like coagulating I'm sitting here just contemplating I can't twist the truth it knows no regulation handful of senators don't pass legislation and marches alone can bring integration when human respect is disintegrating the whole crazy world is just too frustrating and you Tell me over and over and over again, my friends, how you don't believe 
were on the eve of destruction. I think of all the hate there is down in Russia. You take a look around to Selma, Alabama. You may leave for four days in space, but when you return to the same old place, oh, the pounding of the drums, the pride and disgrace. You can bury your dead, but don't leave a trace. Hate your next door neighbor, but don't forget to say grace. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, how you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Good job, Landon. I want to start wearing bell bottoms right now. <laughs> Get some lamb chops growing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you come, you rest on our hearts, you rest on our minds, and give us a peace that transcends this crazy world, because we need you now more than ever. So Holy Spirit, come and rest on us. Amen. All right. That's a pretty cool song, right? So that song, just so you know, was recorded before Maguire was saved. And the idea, every song of the apocalypse that we have done has been a secular song. Why? Because I believe that there is a collective consciousness about God and about the end times. We can't get away with it. Like if you look at your Netflix movie lists, like all the trending movies, they're all these really weird post-apocalyptic type of movies these days, right? There's zombie apocalypse, there's end of the world, there's all these kinds of crazy, you know, type of movies these days. Because why? Because there's something about that topic, there's something about that theme that we are just, it's like woven into our DNA, into our consciousness. Whether you're saved or not, well, the scriptures say that no man has an excuse to know about the Lord. We receive knowledge from God, from the Word of God, obviously, but we also receive knowledge about who God is from natural revelation. So no man, no woman is without excuse. We have all been introduced to God. This someday, maybe a street evangelist will just put a bow on it for you, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, we're going to be reading some kind of weird, scary stuff today. And before we jump into that, I want to set the tone for you to, to settle your soul a little bit. My intention is not to motivate you with fear, 
My intention is to give you a hope, to give you joy, to give you peace in these weird days, in these trying times. Like we need that peace of God. Romans 15 says, may the God of hope. Do you guys know that? Do you serve a God of hope? May the God of hope give you all peace and all joy. How many people need some peace? How many people need some joy? How many people need some hope during these times? Here's the caveat. As you continue to put your trust in him. So if you want God's peace, if you want, God, if you want God's joy, if you want some hope, you have to continue to put your trust in him. Amen. Then it goes on to say, then... That God of hope will fill you with all hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is, which is an amazing gift that we all get access to. You don't have to sit in fear. You don't have to be plagued by anxiety. You don't have to worry about the future because it's all in God's hands. And when the God of hope fills you with all joy and all peace, then no matter what this crazy world throws at you, you know that you are going to be okay. You guys going to be okay? Say, I'm going to be okay. All right. Now let's turn to Revelation 13. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, this is kind of some bizarre stuff, and I'll, I'll splice it out. Revelation 13, verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, like this really cool kaiju thing coming out of the water. Godzilla. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> All right. With ten horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had the feet of those of a bear and the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. On one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. Note that. Mm -hmm. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheming God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Okay. 
gonna turn my machine on. Never mind. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over the, every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of the Lamb, who was slain from the, from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. Ready? Listen. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. That come what may, whether we get zapped off the planet when you, before you walk out the building, which could happen, like immediate rapture. I'm voting for that because I don't like to go through hard things. All <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Take me now, Lord. But the way, that I, I'll just tell you my personal opinion. I, like, I think we're going to see some of this. Mm. Yep. Yeah. All right? So, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. So if you want to continue, if you want to be strong, if you want to have peace, if you want to have joy, if you want to be an overcomer, if you want to conquer in God's name, well, you have to endure and you have to be faithful. Listen, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Okay, big crazy kaiju comes out. There's a beast. It's going to deceive the world. Everybody's going to fall in love with the beast. Everybody's going to worship it. It's going to get a wound. It's going to die mortally. It's going to come back to life. The second beast is going to say, hey, you all need to pay attention to that beast, that beast that was slain and that was risen again. Put your faith and trust in that system. It exercised the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast those whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. So that, they could buy, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has 
insight, calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. Okay, you guys all okay? I know this sounds like material for a 1980s heavy metal band. And it is kind of weird, right? Now, will there be a literal kaiju monster coming out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns? Most likely not. This is symbolic. Will there be this beast of a, of a, of a person who is going to deceive the nations? Yeah, but it's not going to look like a monster. You're going to love this guy. Will there be, in essence, a spokesperson that is going to highlight who this beast is and, and, and give it authority and tell all the world you need to listen and, and just worship the image of the beast? That's all you really got to do. You just got to worship the image of this beast. Yeah. Like, what in the world's going on here? When I was a kid, <laughs> well, I think it was probably somewhere around, you know, I was in junior high. Um, my youth pastor brought in um, one of these armchair theologian types that knows all about the end of the world. It was great. And he, he, he read this to us. He was describing the end of the world and, you know, the mark of the beast. And he said, okay, kids. Someday there's going to be a one world government and they are going to require you to put a mark on your hand or on your forehead and you cannot buy or sell anything. They're going to take all of your cash away from you. They're going to take your coins. They're going to take your greenbacks. No more checks. No more credit cards. It's just all going to, it's just all going to be on your hand. And there will be a ruling elite. And there will be a puppet master behind the scenes pulling all the strings. Now, this was a long time ago when, when I heard this message. And so, like a long, long time ago. Like, you know, Pastor Larry was talking about the cord on your phone. I had a cord on my phone. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> And it might have been, so there was no such thing as the internet back then. I know that's kind of hard for a lot of us to, to understand that concept, but there was no internet. And, you know, unless you, you were a, a, a super nerd, hardly anybody had computers. And there was no such thing as a cell phone. Like, the pager was just being introduced. A pager, you guys, like is this little tiny box that drug dealers would wear on their hips? And there was always this guy in high school that had this big mustache and he had a pager. And then it would go off in the middle of class and he would walk out and the teacher wouldn't say anything. <laughs> it was my... It was my Mark, did you have a pager? <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> so, technology was, it was not, I mean, it was very, very primitive in retrospect. And so, when this guy, when this, when this, you know, this, 
self-proclaimed end times person says, yeah, you're gonna, there's going to be a chip in your hand and you can't buy or sell and you're going to get rid of all the cash and it's going to be a one world monetary system. I'm like, and I don't know, again, I don't remember because I don't remember if I actually said this or if I was just thinking it. Most likely, I probably mouthed off and said it. But we can, at least I know I thought this. I, I thought, okay. <laughs> but I guess someday I'm going to be able to watch movies on my phone like they do in the Jetsons. Okay, I guess someday our great nation's going to be undermined and there's going to be this, you know, hidden cabal that's pulling all the strings. Okay. And I just, it seemed fantastical. I just didn't believe it. After church today, I can go to Amazon Fresh and buy my groceries with a palm print. It just kind of snuck up on us, didn't it? It's like a little bit of a slow fade. We just, we just didn't see it coming. Conversations of a one world government that are real, of a one world monetary system. Just look, if you wanna like waste lots of time, if you wanna stay up to three o'clock in the morning on a Google rabbit hole, just Google Klaus Schwab. Just Google that one. It just, and Google um, who he educated. Google who he's bringing around him. God, I hate to say it, but that clown back in the day was right. I mean, he might not have gotten all the details right, but he's definitely got the signs of the times down. Like, there's something going on that is, that is like, we need to pay attention to what's really going on. Like, we are in these times. Besides all the political stuff that, is, that makes you go, hmm, like, that's weird. Like, they're really going to do this. They're, we're really going to go digital with our currency. Like, the banks are signing deals with politicians behind closed doors now to do this stuff. Hmm, that's, that's bizarre. Now, probably 10, 15 years ago, um, whenever they're like, there was a Grammys award or, you know, some type of a music award and there was a performance at the Grammys or whatever. I don't know, like Katy Perry thought it would be cool, you know, to do like a mock satanic ritual or something like that. Remember those days? And it was kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. That's kind of creepy. But it's just for shock value, right? They're just, it, they're just doing it to get attention and maybe so. But today... It just seems like they have lifted the veil and satanic worship is just kind of a part of the norm. It's almost accepted. The fashion design company, what is it? Beyonce, Balenciaga, thank you, Balenciaga. Like they're, they're promoting a form of pedophilia and, and ritual worship. And it's not for shock value. Like, they've desensitized us enough that society is like, yeah, well, there's, it's just freedom of expression. It's just, you know, it's cool, whatever. 
you're paying attention to what's going on in the news, there's lots of movement, there's lots of exciting things that are taking place. If you are a Twitter follower, you know what's going on in the news, it's kind of cool, right? So, uh, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, of now Twitter, of Neuralink, of some solar company, he's got, I don't know how many companies this guy runs, but a whole bunch. The richest man in the world. I know they, him and Bezos compete to see who's richer. So he buys Twitter, and now he is uh, declassifying and releasing and publishing all of the Hunter Biden laptop files. So basically, he's just pantsed the White House. <laughs> and he's just putting it all out there. And it's kind of like, yeah, that, that, the truth needs to come out. I'm all for that. By the way, I'm all for freedom of speech. Like, you need to be able to say pretty much whatever you want to say. That within reason, that does not cause or promote violence. And that's not profane or, you know, within reason. And so Elon Musk is, 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 is fighting for uh, freedom of speech, which is great. In the midst of all of these things that are trending right now, whether it's, you know, all the, the crazy world stuff, wars, and all these neg negative things, one of the positive things, yesterday, some of the things that are trending on Twitter, you ready for this? Jesus Christ is trending on Twitter. At least it was yesterday. Amen? You know what else was trending yesterday? Romans. The book of Romans was trending yesterday. Romans 1 and Romans 8 was trending yesterday. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, the Chosen series has been trending. It was last week, it was number three in the box office. Like the, the literal box office, not the Christian box office. And of course, nobody's reporting about that. So there is this, okay, despite how things seem to be crazy and, and scary, there is a hunger for the Lord. So the harvest is ripe and there's seeds and you've, planted, you've been planting seeds. And I think they're going to start coming up real soon because people are going to have to make a decision, right? All right, let me just, I'll step down here because this, this is my opinion. Last week, I told you that you need to prepare your hearts, you need to prepare your spirit as if the Lord is coming back at any moment. Yeah? Like it could happen. Like it's, and there's a lot of scholars, there's a lot of pastors that believe in a pre pre trib rapture. But bam, we're gone. It could happen any minute. We need to prepare our hearts for that. At the least, you need to prepare your hearts as if you're going to get run over by a Mack truck because that could happen too. Yeah? You could die at any moment. You know, in my line of work, I'm very aware of, of human mortality. I spend more time around dying people than you guys do. I'm very aware of it. It could happen to you. And your heart needs to be prepared to be with the Lord tomorrow. And yet, the other point of my message is we need to, we need to, our hearts need to be ready for the Lord, but our souls need to be prepared like Job to go through hard times. So I personally believe that um, this beast, that we're going to see it. That sounds kind of weird, right? Okay. Back to Romans or uh, Revelation uh, 13. What in the world's going on? The devil has no way to create life within his own powers. 
He cannot, he cannot do what God does. He cannot spark new life. He cannot create universes. He can't, even, he can't create us. The devil has no power to do that. The only thing that the enemy of God can do is to take God's creation and manipulate it and pervert it and distort it. And he does that with his creation. He does that with God's children. He does that with God's word. What am I saying? All right. Let's, okay, if you remember what I just read in 13. The dragon. Who's the dragon? Thank, Satan, thank you. Um, I don't, I'm not going to have time to get into Thessalonians and, and the Olivet Discourse today. But who's the beast? The Antichrist. This second beast, who's that? The false prophet. Now, why? Why three? It's because, this, because Satan is trying to mock us. He's trying to take the word of God and distort it into his own way. Um, we are what you call a Trinitarian church. Church, what does that mean that we are a Trinitarian church? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Trinity. What we read in 13 is the unholy Trinity. Here we have the dragon, who is the, op well, he's not the opposite of God, but he is mocking God. In his eyes, he's the opposite of God, but we know better, right? Like, this is not an equal battle. God wins every day, every time. It's not, it's not oranges and oranges. It's not even apples and oranges. God is so much powerful than Satan, and yet Satan is making this, he's making this thing. He says, okay, well, there's God, and then there's Satan, the dragon. Now, the beast. Who's the beast? The Antichrist. The anti-Jesus. And then who's a, who is our third member of the Holy Trinity? Holy Spirit. And so there will be a false prophet that's going to come and say, you need to worship the beast, just like our Holy Spirit does with us. Our Holy Spirit bears witness to the testimony of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, if you are in tuned, if you are plugged in, if you're tapped in, if you are filled with all hope and joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit, that power, that source will bear witness to Jesus coming inside of you. So that is what is going on in this. Again, so take out all the crazy imagery. What the devil is saying is, oh, you have a, you have a holy trinity? Well, I'm going to come at you with an unholy trinity. Yeah. And that's what's going on. The end could very well be near if we're thinking about all this political stuff. But in the Holy Land, there's some other things that are going on, things that make you go, hmm, things that make you go, really? My grandfather uh, was in Israel in the 40s. He was in Israel right after Israel was the birth of a nation, when it became a nation. And that is a fulfillment of prophecy. And the prophecy says that once this takes place, that a generation won't last until they see the Messiah. So my grandfather and other great ministers 
They had it all graphed out. They had it all planned out, whether, the, whether it was the rapture or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Like, they're like, this is it. This is, a, this is a sign that the end is coming. Now, part of the problem, oh, I didn't finish with Elon Musk, did I? Should I finish with Elon Musk? Like, he's a cool guy. I like him. I'd have a beer with him. I would drive a Tesla. I want solar panels on my house. In a few months, in a few months, he has the ability to put computer chips in the human brain. It's there. In these Twitter feeds and all this stuff that's going on, because he has chosen off the White House with this Hunter Biden stuff. Okay, this is I know this is, seems like a rabbit trail, but it's actually really important. With all of this stuff, um, there is this incredible swell of support for Elon Musk from, the, from Christian communities. Look, again, I'm all about free speech. I would definitely drive a Tesla, <laughs> right? Absolutely. But what concerns me about our brothers and sisters in Christ is the elevation that they're giving this guy because he's just like spilling stuff on the internet. He's like pulling a Julian Assange with the White House, right? They're like, oh, let's pray for Elon. Yeah, let's pray for Elon. We need to be praying for everybody. Oh, he is God's man. Um, no, he's not. He's not. Don't, okay, don't fall prey to that temptation where we put a man on a pedestal and we think that he's all that. He is not all that. And if really, I'm just going to push it even a little bit harder. The dude's still wearing his Halloween outfit. So if you, go to, if you go to his Twitter feed right now, his Twitter profile, Elon Musk is in his Halloween outfit. Why is that a big deal? Well, I guess it's like this red super suit. And on his super suit, he's got a symbol. And it's Bayamont, which is the devil with the goat head. And inside that devil with the goat head is an upside-down pentagram. And inside that upside-down pentagram is an upside-down cross. So before we start toting that Elon Musk is God's man, we need, to, we need to watch what he's wearing. Furthermore, his supersuit has a name. And his, the name of his supersuit is Satan's champion. Okay, so pretty, please, with sugar on top. Don't fall prey to media hype about some guy that's doing something cool. He's just a man. He could quite possibly be the Antichrist. Jesus said that in the end times, there will be false prophets and that there will be false Christs, that there will even be numerous antichrists. Uh, when John the Revelator is writing down 13, he says, you need to know the sign of the times, and you need to know the number of the name and the number of the beast, that that number is 666. You need to understand what's going on. We, know, we do know that numerically uh, in the first century, 666 was related to Nero. So there's a little bit of a secret code thing going on. But we also know that through history, there has been multiple antichrists. Caesars, Napoleon, Hitler, 
uh, any president that you could probably think of, we have labeled them an antichrist. <laughs> uh, popes are always another good, fun one. We always accuse some pope of being the antichrist. Um, we also, you know, in that reading that we read, we know that, okay, really, Pastor Josh, a monster with seven heads. In Rome, there were seven hills. Seven hills of power, maybe even ten leaders. Uh, we could also speculate that these ten leaders could be the UN, you name it. You, you can figure something out. It, there's a lot of exciting stuff to think about. So my point is, instead of focusing on somebody like Elon Musk to solve all our problems and to be our savior, what's the better option here? Jesus, Jesus is our savior. He is going to answer all the problems. Like, do not trust this guy. <laughs> do not trust him. He is a man that's wearing a costume that says Satan's champion on it. Do not trust this guy. Ding, ding, ding. All right, back to Israel. So, in order for this Antichrist to come into his fullness, the third temple must be rebuilt. And in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus talks about this. I get my beast of fire up here. There we go. Matthew 24, 15. Jesus says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Like, when this happens, then you're going to know, right? I don't know why I'm so fixated on this term, the abomination that causes desolation. I think it just sounds cool. But what in the world's going on? And when Jesus said this, he says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing in the holy place, standing in the temple of God, okay, then you know things are going to, then, then we know for sure that it is it. And this person or this image that is standing in the holy place, this is what we're calling the beast. This is, it's all tied together here. This beast, this antichrist, this hero, the, and the antichrist, I know that Elon Musk is not popular with the Democrats right now, but everybody else kind of loves him. And the antichrist, I am not saying that Elon Musk is the antichrist. He could be, or it could be, at least be a type. But the Antichrist is going to be a popular figure. Everybody's going to love him. He's going to solve problems. He's going to fix issues in our society all the way around. He'll establish this one world government. All of our supply line issues. He's going to have the technology to fix that. And so what is being prophesied is, is that this figure is going to in the built temple, he is going to bring peace to Israel. He's going to establish a time of peace. And we're all going to be in wonder of how this guy pulled this off. And then he's going to suffer a fatal wound. And, but we're going to, the prophet will still tell us to worship his image. Yeah. 
So when Jesus says this, now you and I might not understand or necessarily have heard this word in Bible studies before. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet, what in the world is the abomination of desolation? Like, what is that? That sounds bad. I don't know what that is. But when Jesus says this, when he says this in his sermon, like you, you and I might not, not like, well, I don't know, I don't know what that means. You need to explain that to me. But when Jesus said it, everybody knew what he was talking about. This was not secret code. This was not some mystery words that he was saying. Everybody was well aware of the abomination that causes desolation. Why? It's because it had happened once before. It had already happened. What Daniel prophesied what would happen, happened. And I think 146 BC, before the Romans came in to Jerusalem, before Jesus was born, the place was ran by Greeks. George, I'm sorry. The culture, the culture was a Hellenized culture. Hellen, Hellenistic cultures like Greek culture. So, you know, toga parties and Greek gods and eating grapes and, you know, flute and lute playing. Uh, the Olympics, running around naked with men, that kind of stuff. It was, it was the popular culture of the time. Alexander the Great came in and established himself years later. Antiochus IV is now the king of Greece or of that empire that Alexander left over. And Antiochus IV, like even though that he had, they had established a Greek culture in Israel, Antiochus IV, he hated the Jews. He hated them with a the passion. And he comes in conquers Jerusalem. Not only does he conquer Jerusalem, uh, he gets some of the Zeus statues that are already up, that are already hanging around. So they got Greek statues all over the place, but nobody really cares. Nobody really had a problem with that. But what he does, he takes Zeus and he puts him in the temple. Then people's skins start to crawl a little bit. Like, whoa, that's not cool. And Antiochus says, oh, you think that's not cool? Wait until you see what I'm going to sacrifice. And Antiochus sacrifices a pig on the altar of God. Like, like the only thing that could be possibly worse for a Jew is if, like, you're sacrificing a human. Maybe. <laughs> and so that is the abomination that caused desolation in the temple. He desolated the temple with an unclean animal, with a filthy animal, because Jews don't eat pigs. And this, they just don't do that. It's, it's unclean. It's not kosher. And so Antiochus, he just, he just did the most offensive thing that you could possibly think of. He slaughtered this pig, and the blood of this pig ran down the altar and onto the Carrera marble floor. I don't know if it's Carrera marble, but it's white. And just stained the whole thing. And what Jesus is saying in this, he says, like, that's going to happen again. There is going to be an abomination that causes desolation. So, how is this going to take place? Again, I don't have time to get into this, but um, there is no spot 
for the third temple. Now that's debatable. Currently on the temple mound, there is the Dome of the Rock, which is the third most holiest site in all Islam. It's got that big gold uh, dome on it. You've all seen it. That doesn't, that's not Jewish. That's, that's Islamic. Underneath the Dome of the Rock is the foundation rock or the stone where Abraham attempted to slaughter his son Isaac. If you're, if you're Muslim, it was Ishmael. So it is a super holy site. It is a big footprint. And the Orthodox Jews, although they are allowed to pray on the Temple Mount in certain areas, they want the temple, everybody. It is in, their, it is in who they are. Like, they want their Torah. They want their Bible. Like, that is who they are, is the Word of God. They want that. They can't escape from that. They want their land, and they've got their land. You can't, like, Israel, the land of Israel is so a part of that, those people, they can't get away from it. It's impossible, and history has proven it. And they want that temple. They want to be able to worship God. So how in the world is that going to happen with the Dome of the Rock sitting there? Now, I don't know, and... How do I say this kindly? It's an important issue, but it is not an issue for us to figure out. It's a very important issue. We need to look about it. We need to look at it. We need to think about it. We need to pray about it. We need to pray for Israel. Like we need to pray about all these things. Absolutely. But this is a Jewish. This is a Jewish issue. I'm gonna. I don't mean this negatively. This is a Jewish problem. We're not invited in to solve this problem of where the temple goes. There's always some Gentile theologian that thinks that he knows where the temple goes. It's not, he doesn't have the right to figure it out. They need to figure it out. There's all kinds of theories about how they're going to pull off the temple. There's certain areas that, that it, maybe it could be, you know, we can, we can cram it over here. We can put it in this corner of the temple mound and not touch the dome of the rock. Other Jews are going, no way, because we need this footprint. And it's like, it's like, like miles and miles and miles wide. Like it need, they need the whole thing and then some in order to do it right. So there, there is no consensus among Orthodox Jews about how they're going to get the temple there. So I don't think we're invited into the conversation. They need to figure this out. The problem, again, they don't agree, right? The, the Orthodox Jews, they don't agree. They know that they need to do it. They actually have the instruments to do it. They've got the candlesticks and they got the bowls and they're, they're ready to go. They are actually practicing for, for, to worship at the temple. They're practicing sacrifice right now. They're, they're figuring it out. They've got they to set up in their parking lot much like we do. <laughs> I'm being serious. They've got like plywood up and they've made it a fake, fake temple and they're practicing on how to do it whenever the day comes, whenever the temple is restored, they're going to be able to sacrifice and worship their God their way. So they're, they're good to go. Like this is all taking place right now. This is what Pastor Josh does when he stays up too late at night. <laughs> How in the world is it going to happen? Some Orthodox Jews, well, they're kind of extreme. They're like, we just need to bulldoze the Dome of the Rock. If that happens, World War III immediately. 
Again, other ones are like, how about if you just give us this little corner, we'll figure it out. So there's another set of Orthodox Jews. Um, what's interesting in the, in the Talmud is that it says that God will build the temple. Isn't that awesome? Now, some Orthodox Jews take that literally. For example, if I said, God is going to build Granite Creek, okay? That's code for, you need to give me some more money. <laughs> All right? Okay? Right? God is going to make away Granite Creek. That means that I work, I'm going to have to work harder. That, that's what, right? God's, gonna, God's going to build the nativity this year, right? We all pray that, right? And that's the truth, because God's going to build a living nativity. But the truth is, you know, we have to have people swinging hammers. So that's one way to interpret that, that, that text that says that God's going to build the temple. Well, of course God's going to build the temple, and he's going to bring people and partner with people to do it. Now, a very literal translation, which some Orthodox Jews believe, is that God will literally, with his hands, build the temple. Like he's going to prefabricate this thing in heaven. He's going to put it right there on right where he wants it. So there's some Jews that believe that. Regardless, there has to be that temple so the man of lawlessness can stand in that place, present the icon of the, or, you know, he can stand in that place, the abomination that causes desolation, the false prophet is going to place an idol there. This is after the worship has all taken place, and they're going to pervert that place again. Again, I don't know about how, if, when this temple is going to be rebuilt. Like, in my mind, like, that seems impossible. But once again, I thought that uh, putting a chip in your hand was impossible. I thought that, you know, watching movies on a little tiny screen was impossible. I think it's possible. And they just might figure it out. Interesting, huh? Here's another way that we must look at it. Whether the Orthodox Jews figure it out and build themselves a temple where they can worship and re restore, you know, worship to the God again, whether they do that or not, what's important for us? Well, what is, I mean, before I say this, the temple of God the Jewish temple, the third, the physical third temple is very important. But what is even, I've got to be careful I say this, but for you in your everyday life, what's important to you? What is, what's our, what's our temple? What's our expression of temple? If the, if, the, if the third temple is a Jewish problem, what's your problem? What is the, what does the word of God say about our temple. Shall I read it? Ephesians 2.19 says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and, God, and are of God's household, 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. 1 Peter 2.5 You also are living stones being built being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a man can commit is outside of his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you see where I'm going with this? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. The end time stuff is fascinating. We need to be aware. It needs to get us going. It needs to get us locked in. We need to realize that the world is changing. We need to pay attention. Yet at the same time, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So, just like when Antiochus, Epiphanes, the fourth, set up an abomination that caused desolation. He slaughtered that pig in the holy place. He did that in the context of a culture, of a Greek culture, that had infiltrated the people of God. Do you know what happened when he slaughtered that pig? Oh, the Jews were mad. Like they were putting up with so much other stuff. They were putting up with, you know, good little Jewish boys dating good little Greek girls. They, they were putting up with that kind of stuff. They were putting up with, you know, toga parties. They were putting up with some debauchery and, you know, some drinking and some Bacchus parties. They're like, yeah, this is fun. This is cool. Let's do this. This is great. But when they slaughtered that pig, what we call the Maccabean revolt, they're like, whoa, we've gone way too far here. We have put up with all this stuff for way too long, and now they're sacrificing pigs in our holy temple. How does that apply to you and me? We, too, are <laughs> integrated into an ungodly culture. We don't even realize it. We don't realize the slow fade, all the little small compromises here and there. We're just, we're just, we're just so used to all the static, all the information, all the entertainment, all the news, all the media, we're just so used to it. It's like, like, you know, something offensive happens, it doesn't even bother us anymore. And so my question for you today, if you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, what abomination that causes desolation will get you to rise up like a Maccabean? The Maccabeans were, were the Jewish ruling class that kicked the Greeks out. Hence, Hanukkah. 
I wanted to decorate the church with Hanukkah lights, and everybody said no. <laughs> Hence Hanukkah. That's where Hanukkah comes from, because they said, no, we're sick and tired of this, and we're just not going to take this sin anymore. And they stood up, and they revolted. What, like, again, are they going to... Yes, I care what the Antichrist does. You should care what the Antichrist does. But first, you ought to care what you do. (laughs) You need to take care of your temple. If you have sacrificed anything on the altar of your own self, and if you have dirty pig blood on your inner altar, it's time to clean that stuff up. I can get the band to come to the front. I'll show you how to do it. The Maccabeans had to go through all these rituals and prayers. They had to purge that temple. They literally had to get on their hands and knees and scrub that filthy pig blood off the floor. They had to get bleach and pour it out. took a long time to purify that temple. Because of what Jesus did for us, because the shedding of his innocent blood, it doesn't take us that long to purify our hearts. Isn't that cool? This is how you do it. This is how you do it. I should just close your eyes. We're going to do a little business with God. If there's areas inside of our culture that you have flirted with, that you have just allowed to take place, that you've compromised on, just allow the Holy Spirit to bring that into your awareness so that you can stand in the holy place and not the enemy of God. If there is an idol, stand, again, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant. If there is a false idol standing in that holy of holies, which is inside of you, I, wanna, I want you to ask God to reveal your idols to you. An idol can be a perversion. An idol can be a person. An idol can be yourself. An idol can be even a dark, demonic thing that you've gone into relationship with. A power beyond yourself. An idol can be politics. An idol can be entertainment. If there is anything in your heart that is above the Lord, then it is an idol. So, my beloved, my friends, let's not give our pearls to swine anymore. Let's not allow an evil person to walk in a pig into our hearts. Let's guard our hearts today. Let's say no more. Let's rise up like Maccabeans and fight this thing off and kick the enemy out of our land, out of our families, out of our hearts.
receive the body of Christ. This is, the, this is where you receive the strength to bear arms and to lock arms together with your brothers and sisters so that you're not alone and you can fight the present evil age when you are part of the body. Receive the body of Christ. All right, so think of the, the most pure marble, white marble that has blood spilt on it, and that blood is seeped into the cracks, and it seems like it would just be impossible to get it out, to remove that stain, to say, out, damn spot. But this drink, the blood of Jesus Christ, his blood washes away all of that tainted blood. And it removes every stain from that stone. Again, you are a living stone. It removes that stain from the stone. And it's as if it never existed. That is what your sins, your pig blood is when Jesus washes you free from it all. It's as if it never existed. You see no more mark. There's no more scar. There's no more tattoo. It's just gone. In fact, the Lord doesn't even remember your sins anymore. And if God doesn't remember the stain, you should forget it too. Forget about your sinful life. Step into the new life. Step in to the new covenant by the washing away of your, blood, of your sin. Receive the blood of Christ. Just come to the front. Father, this is our sacrifice to you. It is not ours. It is yours. You gave it to us. So you have freely given. We freely return. God, I pray you bless this offering so it advances the kingdom of God here in this community and around the world. God bless you as you give. Will you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, we come before you not knowing what the world has in store, but we know what you have in store. You have given us a road map to the future. You have let us know that everything is going to be okay. That if we trust you, everything will be okay. So we trust you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fill us up like never before. Because we cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without your power. We cannot do this without your authority. We cannot do this without your love. So Holy Spirit, strengthen your children today to be ambassadors into a world that desperately needs you. God, I pray that you will show us how to be sowers of good seed instead of poking marijuana seeds in, that we poke in grape seeds that bring life and bring joy and that bring happiness. May we rest upon your salvation in this season. May we walk in confidence. May we walk into your Holy of Holies fully confident that we are yours and that we have eternity waiting for us on the other side of this life. I'm going to send you off with our Romans 15 blessing today. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and with all joy as you continue to put your trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Church, can you overflow with hope this season? Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go with the Spirit of God. God bless you guys. Have a great week. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles.